Welcome, Warriors, to MDC. In this series, I'm examining every single goddamn page of the Secrets of Shadowloo supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game, intent on uncovering the single biggest secret on each page. Every episode covers one page, every episode is short. Secrets of Shadowloo was published in 1994 by White Wolf Game Studio. Today we're discussing page 12 of Secrets of Shadowloo, and we are continuing to move up the pyramid of Shadowloo toward its apex. We started yesterday with the base, the rank-and-file gangs who make up the day-to-day criminal operations of Shadowloo, up one step to the bosses. They're the guys you fist fight when you have reached the end of the neighborhood, after you've beaten everyone else who lives there. And then once you've beaten them, then, like, local crime ends. Such is the power of street fighting. On this page, though, we get into the serious stuff. Above the bosses are the overlords. Uh, it says that every overlord oversees a bunch of bosses, dozens of bosses. They're in charge of strategic matters. They oversee large domains, quote, such as the domain of the overlord of California, or even entire countries, such as the empire of the overlord of Brazil. It says there are fewer than 100 overlords, and there's a lot of turnover because if an overlord runs afoul of a superior or gets killed, then they get replaced. It says that many overlords are street fighters. Once again, this is where Bison's obsession with this extremely niche sport is hurting his organization. He's got this whole organization of thousands of bosses and gangs who know their local criminal organizations and governments. And then right on top of them in middle management, he's got like his favorite fucking celebrity fighters from backyard MMA. What a way to build an organization. And then, at least once a year, every overlord meets Bison in person. The text goes on to say that overlords are kept pretty vague because this is the level where you'd probably build a recurring villain NPC for your campaign, which is smart. Like, on a momentary game design tangent here, it's nice that they kept this level clear of detail that would mess up your plot. I like it when games kind of build a more detailed setting around a little bit of a void for you to plug in whatever is, like, the important central thing of your campaign as a GM, or as a player for that matter. So, well done there. For our purposes, though, investigating the secrets of this organization, there's not much else to say about overlords. Instead, let's move up the pyramid to the Dragon Triad. There are three members of the Dragon Triad, one in charge of Asia, one in charge of Europe, one in charge of North America. And on this page, we talk about the domain and rather extreme personality of the North American member of the Dragon Triad, Adrian Hurst. So, we get a little bit of boilerplate here about how Adrian Hearst operates in North America, it's about what you'd expect. There's a ton of money here. Americans are vain and consumerist, but we also have democracy, and Adrian Hearst hates democracy. He is always, quote, attempting to circumvent and destroy dictatorship's greatest foe, the ideal of democracy. However, when we get to Adrian's more important mission in North America, which is to funnel scientific knowledge and invention resources to Shadaloo, we get more into Adrian's personality. He has a pretty distinctive style, and I think that's the more interesting thing here. Quote, The Dragon of the Americas keeps Chateloup on the cutting edge of technology through industrial espionage, bribery, and the hiring of the best and brightest scientists into service for Chateloup. You might think that Adrian achieves this by hiring scientists under false pretenses and not letting them know what their research is being used for, and he does some of that, but mainly, quote, Adrian selects scientists whose degraded sense of morality is such that they don't mind becoming, quote, evil scientists and accepting employment from a criminal empire. These scientists are shown the whole horrific splendor of Chateloup and Sentamariganka to toil. This is such an interesting hiring process to me, because Adrian Hearst, he's, he's headhunting here for a very specific profile. He needs extremely brilliant and talented 
scientists and engineers, but mainly he's looking for a personality type. He's looking for someone who is just yearning for an opportunity to be as evil as they can be. And that's why he takes them on the tour of Merganka, right? Like, imagine that you are in school to be a pharmacist, and you happen to be evil. It isn't enough for Adrian Hurst to hire you to do pharmaceutical work for a lot of money, no questions asked about the ethics, which is totally the kind of thing you would be up for. That, that's how a normal evil pharmacist finds work, I feel. Leave that shit to regular CEOs who aren't named Hearst. Adrian Hearst is one cut above that. He is one step more evil than that. So he's recruiting people who are like, hey, I'm great at pharmaceutical science, and I don't give one fuck who I hurt. And Adrian's like, that's great, but we're really looking for someone to join an evil community. We're looking for someone who's a good evil culture fit for the company. So why don't you come with me to the island stronghold? I want you to see the man eating plants. I want you to see the depth of our atrocity, because here at Shadaloo, we don't just punch out at the end of the day. We want people with a passion for evil. We want someone who's going to stick around and work through lunch break. We want someone who's going to stay overnight and play evil ping pong with the other evil scientists and just work through the night. We need someone who's excited about the depth of human depravity. What you may object is, does this produce better evil pharmaceuticals? The answer is no. I mean, I don't see any scenario in which specifically hiring the evilest motherfuckers you can find, like if anything, it's a limiting factor, right? You know, the top of the class in pharmaceutical science might be somebody who doesn't happen to be evil. So you're limiting your options in that sense. It's not that it's producing better evil drugs in a purely scientific way, but this isn't like working for a regular pharmaceutical company, which is evil in a banal way. This is like working for evil Disneyland. You're not, you're not hiring just a pharmacist. You're hiring an evil pharmaco-imagineer. Before you can invent a drug that makes someone think their friends are monsters so they kill their friends, you have to imagine such a drug and then snicker to yourself and think, I'd like to work overtime on this. Let me lose my vacation days. That passion is more important to Adrian Hurst than just cold bear genius, which I think is why Shadaloo is so Baroque. That's the secret of Shadaloo on this page. And I think that's how Adrian Hurst himself got his position. Uh, I guess this is a sub-secret of Shadaloo because it's, it's pretty personal to Adrian. But we get a little stuff on his background here. Here's what it says, quote, Hearst established himself as a prodigy by the age of six. His talent for organization, leadership, and bald-faced lying made him a natural for politics. After a promising start in school government, Adrian was caught in a scandal involving the death of an opposition candidate. This motherfucker engaged in political assassination in a race for school government. Like, it doesn't say when this happened exactly, but it says school, not university. I think, like, Adrian Hurst was running for senior class president when he was, like, 17 years old and fucking killed a guy to become class president. But then he got busted. He got caught. He had a criminal record already at 17, suspected at least of murder, convicted of a crime. You would think, if we're looking for somebody with maximum skill, maximum options open to them, as Shadaloo, you don't hire Adrian Hurst. But I think they respected the hustle. More important than can you murder somebody to become senior class president is would you murder somebody to be senior class president? If the answer to that is yes, you are Shadaloo material, my friend. At the end of the day, you know, who cares if the theme of the prom was Western days like you wanted? Your prom's theme is immaterial to the ultimate aims of Shadaloo. The point is, if you're the kind of person who is sitting at that meeting as the school election was ongoing and your opponents on the prom committee, your rivals, were like, well, listen, we have the votes. Adrian, I don't know what to tell you. We're doing Hollywood magic. Everyone wants to do Hollywood magic. We're doing Hollywood magic. If you're the kind of person who's going to look across the table at your foe on the prom committee and say, I'll see you in hell. 
before we celebrate Hollywood magic in this high school. You better watch your fucking back and then storm out of the meeting. That's what Chatelou cares about. That's what ends up with you being put in charge of all criminal and governmental operations in North America. That kind of prodigious shitheadedness. And not only does Adrian bring that, but the, the big secret of Chatelou is, at least for North American hiring, he carries that on in his hiring practice. He's looking for people who are just as bizarrely evil as he is to the extent that he takes them on an atrocity tour as part of the interview process. But if you think Adrian Hurst is the biggest fucking weirdo running an entire continent full of criminal operations for Shadowloo, you are mistaken. Join me tomorrow as we turn to the continent of Europe and discuss Lord Montgomery on MDC. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret Patreon-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that RSS feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact or check out the show wherever you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This season's theme music, used under a Creative Commons license, is City Lights at Night by Revolution Void, whose work you can find at sites.google.com slash view slash Revolution Void, or at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash revolution underscore void. Thanks for listening. Now get lost. You can't compare with my power. <laughs>